Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, and especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mmm, 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 mmm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. That's, a, that's oh. not my ringtone, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Who wants to like kick it if off? I'm, if I'm this far away, can you hear me? I mean, it's registered. Do I need to be you are closer? You're the middle one. The middle hello, one. Hello, hello, hello. You're Welcome. the bottom one. This is wild to see. I've never seen this before. Oh, this is we're in a new studio here. You we don't know. Like, yeah. We broke into some downtown office. Security is... <laughs> Security is going to probably come <laughs> like here in 20 minutes. The most <laughs> annoying sound you can hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have oh, 25 wow. minutes to tell security. See that? Pretty good. <laughs> The levels. All right. <laughs> <Those> so, levels. <laughs> my God, the levels. They're so high. Uh, you guys, whoever is listening to this, I don't mean to gender that uh, salutation. You are wow, listening to. Great start. Yeah, right? Uh, I, I wasn't, it wasn't insincere. That's I really didn't show. mean to. Um, you're listening to, I think, Try Love. We've That's the name of the podcast. Well, yeah. Be. Did we, we decided that's it? I think so. Okay. So, you're listening, to, you're listening to Try Love. We're going to talk about the 400 Blows, which we saw with. Just remembering this now, a member of Motion City Soundtrack was in the audience. Was oh, he in the audience? We'll talk about that I later. About, did you stay for the show? It, we, it was it was kind of weird. Like yeah. he got up and he was very Minnesotan about it. He shoved his hands in his pockets and was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But I he feel just bad talk, that I didn't stay. But he was like genuine about it. He talked about how he really liked the movement of new uh, or of uh, French New Wave and about how he likes this movie because it shows like a very flawed side to all different age groups and stuff. But it was never like super deep. Insight, sure. Sort of yeah, I, I don't mean, think that's, that's why he was job. there. I don't yeah. think. I mean, he's not a film critic. He said, yeah. like, "I'm not a film critic. I'm just going to say what I felt about this." That movie. was the only so French New Wave movie he saw, genuine. probably. Maybe why, he yeah. said that he got uh, into a lot of it in college. Yeah. Uh, when he because he apparently went for film production, I guess. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then he got up and <clears> with <throat> another another bandmate of his who, frankly, I think sounded better. I think she was less wow. nervous than he was. Uh, but they were his songs. You want to just shit on this guy for this? I whole guess podcast? so. Sorry, man. No, like he I seemed he seemed a little nervous. I don't know when the last time he performed in front of uh, an audience. I want to say I, I should say I don't really know his music. It was yeah. it was good. It was nice. It was just him uh, and his bandmate and their two guitars, solo acoustic performance. Was there a good crowd for that, or did most people? Leave? Yeah, actually, I would say maybe half half the people stayed oh, from okay. that. Oh, that's which good. Was, it wasn't a packed house to begin with, yeah. but it was a good number of people. It was a respectable amount. Um, Should we introduce ourselves and the concept of the show? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Jason. I'm Harry. I'm John. Uh, and we're going to talk about a movie that we saw at the Trilon, uh, Micro Well, Cinema. Cinema now. Cinema. It used to be Micro Cinema, and then it expanded uh, to 90 whole seats. Yeah, uh, which is no longer Micro screen. Cinema. Yeah, I guess, in, in a, on a large scale. Uh, and we saw The 400 Blows, Francois Truffaut's. Truffaut. First film? Yep, Truffaut's it is his first, first movie. Uh, yep. yeah. And big old monument in the French New Wave. Mm -hmm. um, sort of the 
first movie generally characterized. I think. Is I, it really? Probably, probably not. Like I don't it started. Know. With I'm this sure that there's a debate. About it was it. this and Breathless, I think. Either Breathless. Breathless was know. 1960, which oh, was okay. a year later. Sure, yeah. But yeah, was, I think they're contemporaries. This was yeah. Him and Godard were like head to head. They were the pioneers of French right. New Wave. So the Trilon was playing this movie. Uh, I don't think it's as part of like a new wave or a French new wave bit or anything. No, it's, it's just, just what the Motion City soundtrack guy wanted. Yeah, to Justin do. Justin Pierre is his name, uh, okay. and I guess. I mean, at the outset, they talked about how he wanted to play this film and how mm-hmm. he was really interested in it. And he did it through Sound Unseen, which is a, um organization that's in partnership with Trilon. I think... Oh, yeah, I'm recognizing the splash screen now before yeah. the movie. Was that... Did we go to that yesterday? <laughs> was that... That uh, was Thursday. 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 Two days ago. What day is it today? It's Saturday. It is Saturday. <laughs> okay, cool. We saw Bad Times we are so prepared. We're not going to yeah. talk about that. Okay. Uh... uh you know, there are a lot of parallels between French New nope. Cinema and, and, and the directorial style of Goddard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're both Get Goddard. That, their names sound similar. That's, uh, there are some oh, there shared you go. letters there. I didn't think about that. Uh, uh, silent your damn phone. Uh, oh, I like man. people hearing that I'm popular. Do you? So no. <laughs> are you? No, that's that, just... that's that just a text message I just sent you? That's a Tinder notification. So oh, no, we'll, we'll walk away from that one Ooh. very Saying slowly. that no one has matched with you in the last 80 days. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really? Anyway, anyway, French New Wave, not about Tinder. Uh, so where do we want to start with this film? Do we want to start with a short synopsis? I've, I've yeah. got like a whole scripted thing that I can just sort of go off oh, and wow. you guys can respond You have to. a scripted thing? We've, we don't really have a... Like a, a strategy or a, or that a is format clear, for this? I think at yeah, this point. We, okay. Stop dragging me. On my I'm not. I'm podcast. dragging us. <laughs> I'm dragging with you, not at you. <laughs> We're both being drugged. We're, We're being drugged <laughs> and uh, drugged. Uh, uh, so that that water bottle that you guys haven't cracked into yet. Yeah, I'm not gonna get to. That. Check this out. Coffee. Thank you for the water bottles. This is professional. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So could you hear that? Some you could probably level that ASMR right there. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll just start into it, and you guys can respond or interject as you like. Because I I just took down notes of like what I read about the film That's and true. what I remembered about it. Uh, it's um, you know, of course called the Four Hundred Blows, directed and written, right? Yep. I, yep. Uh, it was co-written. Uh, Marcel uh, Mousset. Oh, it was I, co-written. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was. Uh, Truffaut wrote it with someone else. Marcel. Because mm, it's uh, very. Marseille, autobiographical think. of Truffaut's childhood right. experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure who's Marcel. I wonder how much contribution. Like if that was personal experience from him too. Yeah, that's whoever a good that question. is. I don't even know who that is, but I didn't get into that much of it. But we can yeah. we can hash this out. Uh, its French title um, is I'm going to try uh, Les Quatre Sans Coups. Sounds pretty good to me. Thanks. I thanks. obviously haven't taken any French. I've, I've only heard heard what my mom speaks of French. Um, Jason's mom speaks like six languages. She speaks a Ooh. few languages. Uh, and that, that <laughs> phrase means to raise hell. Ooh, um, really? Yeah. That's yeah. a way better title than well, the 400 Blows. Apparently when they brought it further west and translated it into different, different languages, they just took that like those words directly. Like if you put those into Google Translate, it just says the 400 Blows. Really? So it was just a literal translation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Led people to think, apparently at the time, though I couldn't find a source for this, that it was about a movie about corporal punishment, mm-hmm. <laughs> which in some ways it, it is in at a, times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just a poorly translated phrase. Rather than being adapted, it was just like directly. But translated. its meaning in the original French is something like "is like hell. Wi- I'm wilding out." Yeah, like that I'm a rules. young kid. Yeah, right. And it's way more thematically appropriate. Yeah, it fits. The, mm-hmm. It's one of those cases in which like 
with a lot of films that get translated and their titles are changed up, I'm like, there still has some like thematic resonance with this new title, and there's none of that here. It's just yeah. like a poorly that's translated sort of shame. Which is, I I love like the fact that that's a story to tell about this movie is that it's just a really bad case of translation. But it I mean, it doesn't lead to like there's a an argument for the 400 blows, right? Like it, it's sort of an iconic title, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also kind of pretentious. I like I it's it. it's it silly to say or? it's silly to say that it's pretentious, right? Because it's like this is like the <clears throat> the pivotal sort of uh starting movie. So like some pretension is warranted or right. not. Of when it, of the most pretentious film movement of all time? Uh, it's up there probably, right? <laughs> I mean <laughs> like it, it yeah. literally started our tour theory, which is you know yeah, a mixed because bag. A Chufo is a pretentious motherfucker because he would like <laughs> go and like openly criticize every director up until he actually made a film. He was very harsh on many filmmakers. He would go to Cannes and just criticize everyone's work. And he was a film critic, right? Like yeah. a professional film critic. He wrote for some he... newspaper or some magazine. I don't know. It was you know that name that he dedicated the film to at the beginning, just Andre uh, Bazin. Or Baz- something? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was uh, the guy who he wrote with. Uh, Bazin hired him to write for something, and then Bazin apparently died during the first take. Or when the camera started rolling of the 400 blows, which is interesting. He was the um, first blow. Yeah, he wasn't in the film or like on the set, but he just happened to die, I think, at that moment. But um, yeah, so they were time. they were film critics, and Truffaut was notorious for just being an asshole too. Just being that tracks. <laughs> I think yeah, with, with with my understanding of Truffaut based on I this, like that yeah, very biographical much, yeah. film, he's kind of an asshole. Yeah, yeah, uh, and people hated that until he made the 400 blows. People were like, well, he knows what he's talking about, apparently. So. Which is interesting, but yeah, he started a revolution in film, uh, along with a couple of other French yeah uh, contemporaries, and they were they were also in turn inspired by um, Western filmmakers and, and filmmakers in other parts of the world as well. It wasn't like I don't think French New Wave was solely localized around France. I think mm-hmm. it was sort of a reaction to a lot of. Um, Contemporary artistic yeah. movement, international social factors yeah. too. Yeah, I didn't do way too much research on like the actual concept of and the movement behind the French New Wave, but uh, I'm hoping we can talk a little bit about that because you guys seem a little more literate in it. Yeah, and Godard too. Like he hated just the traditional oh, Drew, filmmaking Drew? process. Drew Goddard, no. Drew Godard. Uh, Drew, yeah, <laughs> I'm so confused right now. Uh, no, Jean Luc Godard hated the just the yeah contemporary film movement and just the even just the way things were edited and shot. He hated how everything was so you know, stereotypically fluid in film and, and the way the cutting process and the, you know, stor- traditional stories were told, uh, especially like in American crime films and stuff. So he tried to just uh, destroy all that. What is this noir bullshit? Yeah, exactly. That's why when you watch Fair. Breathless, there's the cuts make no sense. To me. Like a guy's about to shoot somebody and it cuts right before he's like about to shoot him and then the guy's like lying somewhere off in the bushes and someone like is talking in the middle of the sentence that cuts and they're driving. It's all spontaneous and it's like, what the fuck's going on? (laughs) David Lynch. (laughs) Yeah. It's like now, now you think of those cuttings like, well, yeah, that happens a lot in movies these days, but it hadn't when Godard. That's an interesting point. I think because I, Jason, you had, this is maybe spoilers for later in the podcast, but Uh you had expressed some reservations about this movie, about Mm -hmm. maybe not liking it as much as historical precedent would suggest that you might. Um, And I think that, that there's, I think that that the history of this movie um is sort of an important thing to consider there where like a lot of a lot of the the French new wave styles have become so ubiquitous that we almost take them for granted. I feel like and like 
obviously as a person born in 1992, I can't really speak to that too much, right? Because I I grew up in an era where these were already sort of accepted as standard. Right. But um, I think I have an intuition, at least, uh, based on what I've read and other movies I've seen, that this movie was considered fairly radical for its time mm-hmm. and, a, and a pretty significant departure from what filmmaking looked like right. yeah. then. And that's exactly kind of what, like, puts me in the camp of I'm not completely sure about whether or not I, I'm a big fan of it because, I mean, we'll get into more, more of it later, but because it's like, okay, rebellious youth story I've seen thousands of times across Interesting. cinema. And it's like, is that is that worth my time? Is that like a, it, it maybe like a very revolutionary concept at the time? And mm-hmm. I can respect it for like its filmmaking and what it broke ground on. But did I enjoy myself watching it? I find out later interesting yeah and all those movies coming of age <clears throat> uh rebellious youth like all those come from the 400 blows if you look at every really? filmmaker yeah i i've noticed that with like eighth grade recently bo burnham said yeah. 400 blows uh, uh florida uh, project florida project yes sean baker a little did. bit of that wes anderson with moonrise kingdom really loved the 400 blows which you can tell even stylistically there's a lot of 400 blows in interesting yeah yeah i may but yeah, even like yeah, yeah. okay yeah that's fine well, that's what he said. <laughs> so, yeah. so, we're, so we're digging a lot into like what this movie is about before we actually talk about what this movie yeah, is about. Yeah, uh, but, but before we get into that, sorry, uh, John said some good stuff about French New Wave, and like there was a um, there was a quote that Truffaut wrote right before he made this movie to talk about sort of codify um, his new sort of um, founding principles for filmmaking, mm-hmm. which he then like. He like wrote this, I believe, and then just made this movie as sort of like a means of of uh, um, like an example, a proof of concept about his style. Um, <laughs> sounds exactly what's uh, it's like, it's kind of like rad, a, right? A, but a like cocky critic, would yeah. Do. Um, but uh, so I kind of I wrote down part of it here, um, and it says. He wrote, film is becoming a new means of expression on the same level as painting in the novel. It's a form through which the artist can express his thoughts, his, of course, uh, however abstract or translate his obsessions exactly as he does in the contemporary essay or novel. Um, which is, that's, it's an Very interesting... Auteur. Yeah, it, but it's, it's also an interesting statement to make that sort of grounds this in a historical context, right? Because that sounds like something that you wouldn't even have to say in this day and age. Like it's such yeah. a it's such a simple concept to say like film is an artistic medium for expressing your feelings and thoughts the same way a novel or a painting <laughs> is. It's like yeah. standing ovation. And so like the the idea that that a film critic would have to come out and say something like that I think speaks to uh, how film was regarded. At yeah, the and uh, and like you said about how Godard and um, Truffaut, like, Goddard. did I say Godard? Godard. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, shit. That's your fault. Okay, <laughs> I don't cop to that. Yeah. Uh, it it speaks to like how French New Wave was a reaction yeah. to a larger idea, or yeah. like a reaction against a movement, yeah, which exactly. is really interesting to me because I think a lot of. Um, artistic movements start that way mm-hmm. as this sort of like rebellious um, reaction against a yeah. prevailing trend and mm-hmm. maybe even a trend that's not as prevailing as the filmmaker or the artist would, would suggest it is, but that they sort of like create as an enemy so that they can mm-hmm. fight against it. And that that's an interesting, it, for a movie that's so preoccupied with rebellion, um, it's interesting that that there's sort of a thematic resonance there, right? Where like it's it's like we're we're rebelling in this movie, 
and and sort of depicting a childhood rebellion and also this movie is itself a rebellion against an idea uh in a, in a way that i that i find fascinating levels yeah that's cool um levels. i want to talk about the kid a lot and what's his name antoine du- du- yeah or? let's let's give uh, like a donnell short, i believe donnell. let's give a short synopsis yeah, yeah. let's do it about i've got one written out Jason. and i've been just champing at this fucking bit <laughs> go on five minutes yeah uh so the movie tells the story of antoine donnell uh a schoolboy of maybe 10 or 12 i thought maybe uh yeah 13, i think that I think. sounds right he yeah. was maybe preteen, maybe just post it's tough to know yeah uh he's, he he feels prepubescent to me but he or likes and sounds maybe like he's yeah, I've it's heard thirteen in, in criticisms, but I don't think it was actually stated in the film. No, it's so. it's that it's that classic like artistic liminal age where like you are simultaneously post and prepubescent at the same time. Where like mid pubescence, I guess, where like he has certain mm-hmm. ideas about the world, but not an understanding of right. those things. Cannot yeah fulfill them. Uh, so he's mischievous by circumstance, uh, his struggle, and it's about his ul- struggle and ultimate failure to conform to societal expectations of young men in 1950s Paris, which I think was primarily set in Paris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and early 60s, like as they move into the 60s, because it was in 19, was it set in 1959 and made in 1959? It was made in 1959. Yeah. I don't know that it's, it's ever specified when it's set. Not notably earlier. It wasn't set in like the 40s or anything. No, no, no. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he mouths off in class. Post, post-World War II. Right. Yeah. Which is the important part here. Uh, From my, yeah, Western yeah. United States perspective, <laughs> my, uh, I guess. My uh, monument in time. Um, he mouths off in class. He has a rocky relationship with his parents. And he yearns, yearns to be part of the working class uh, because of the freedom that he imagined that life would give him. Ironically. So, in a sort of a fun, oh, you sweet summer child type of sure. way. Like, I want mm. to go work yeah. on the railroad because, you know. People there is no other side. Yeah. Um, it's. As we already said, based partially on Truffaut's own childhood, he was somewhat uh, truant as a child. He admits to having uh, sneaking, snuck into movie theaters and skipping school, pickpocketing even uh, small robberies, not the, unlike the, the one that we saw in the movie. The part where about uh, he lies about his mom being dead, Truffaut did that in class. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. really? He actually did that. That's in, hilarious. Which Jesus. is crazy. Um, it's said that he also worked in the personality of the actor who played Antoine Donnell, uh, Jean-Pierre Léaud. Liad sounds Leod. right to I'm me. Not, I don't know. I'm not as confident right. about that. Yeah, just not, a, as not an actor, title. right? Just uh, uh, no. He was auditioning a bunch of kids, but a lot of them were non-actors. Yeah, really. Yeah, and this one just reminded you of his of who he was when he was that age. So right. they were very uh, physically similar looking. Right? Yeah, to the like throughout their lives, um, to the point where they would get mistaken for one. Yeah, another. that's what the crew members were saying, which is yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, he also used his real-life friend, or Truffaut also used his real-life friend, a fellow film, film critic, Robert Lachenay, uh, as basis for Antoine's best friend, René, the kid who, like, houses him for a while. Right. This is really his only friend in the mm-hmm. entire film. Uh, elements of the plot, like René helping Antoine uh, self-emancipate and uh, find a home in that mill, that old abandoned mill or whatever that right. was, uh, are taken from their real-life experience. Uh, I found it funny that... Lachenay himself claimed that in reality he was more of the leader of the pair. Uh, and <laughs> well, he would claim that, though, wouldn't he? <laughs> and that Francois Truffaut was more of, like, the sidekick to him. So uh-huh. funny yeah. little... Funny Maybe little he'll make a, a movie called The 401 Blows, <laughs> in which... Comes out in 2019. The real story. Yeah. <laughs> that is shit. Yeah, well. Yeah, uh, maybe. Um... He also worked as an assistant unit manager on The 400 Blows, Lachenay. Oh. So his friend, they worked together for a while. Um, and funny enough, when they were both writing for the same publication um it said that Truffaut would occasionally publish under his name <laughs> just 
sort of like what the fuck, man? Bickering, sort of friendly rivalry. That, yeah. that they had that's going also on. sort of how you would characterize their relationship in the movie. That's kind of sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Was, wow. They stole typewriters together constantly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's more or less the film. There's not a whole lot of story. There's a bit of plot in which he, uh, yeah, that's he kind fall, of falls in with you know. Not necessarily a bad crowd. He just is his own bad crowd kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it follows Antoine very closely, mm-hmm. and so sort of consequently, um, it it it's almost more of a um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, like a, a catalog of his of his daily life, one, more one than it, it follows a, a character study. And yeah, it's John did that. that. Yeah, I think so. Um, did I? I well, like, yeah, it, and that's because I think that's what French New Wave was. Is it was it was all about feelings and atmosphere or just like like you said i think a catalog of daily life is a good way to say it um because yeah there's no plot in this movie it is just about this is how like this is just supposed to watch this kid just being who he is it's, it's sort of a, a reaction against melodrama right or yeah. like a, it supposedly a, a an attempt to sort of create a more naturalistic mm-hmm. um approach to filmmaking and, and studying characters in a filmic context yeah, it did that. It did that both with its story and with its casting. Like John was saying, like none of these kids were particularly actors. And actually, one of the bits of trivia that I found on it is that all the kids who auditioned for Antoine uh, and didn't make it were given parts as his class. Oh, really? that's cool. So like the class room was filled oh. with people who. You imagine being one of those kids though, yeah, yeah. having to like play off of the kid who got the part you didn't get. At least they got a job. It happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought that Jean Pierre Liad. I, I guess the the kid who played Antoine Danel was amazing in this so movie. good and he and there's really so good. many shots too that uh, a lot of it was improv. There was the scene where he was talking to was a, a psychiatrist and it was just him at the table. Yeah, right. and you don't see her um, because apparently that actress didn't show up that day. So Chifo oh, really? was like, "Well, we'll just shoot his reverse shot or the other shot of just him." Oh, really? And then later I, in editing, he saw the footage. Is like, I don't even want to show her. Like, I read, I, I read another one that is that uh, either it was a screen test or it was like a scene that they wanted to do that Truffaut himself asked these questions to the kid and gave him like general like talking points and general like you got to hit this part but let the kid kind of improv it um yeah and then dubbed in a lady's voice yeah they dubbed in which and my contribution is that that was my least favorite scene it was it wasn't a great scene it was a great performance really i love that scene it's a that was one of his best performances oh it's a great performance for sure because he improvs that whole thing that's all his own dialogue really yeah the kid yeah that's unbelievable. Good. I mean, I think they had like a basis of what he had to say, sure. but he was the words rolling. Talking yeah. points. Yeah. And it's he's got such natural reactions. Like he asks, yeah. weirdly, the woman asks if he's ever like lain with a woman. And like that yeah. smirk I don't, gives is. It's not, I, I mean, <laughs> it's almost, different. it's so on the nose. Yeah. I, that's what I didn't like about It's like, it's one of those famous capitulating scenes where it's like, well, the movie's almost over. We better hit him with the theme again, just in case they didn't yeah. get it. Like, we better have the kid li- literally come up with a framing device so that you can talk about your problems with right. a psychiatrist. <laughs> it's iconic, but it's not. It felt like, actually, it felt like that character, though. Like just It did. It know, was very well know. done. It was a very, very good It didn't good feel example. like someone writing it, and I think the improv That's a really good that, point, yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. And you could tell, like, the way, maybe because he was improvising, he was sitting there thinking, like, like, should I be honest? Like, he, he, That's he, incredible. That yeah. that story he tells about the, the prostitute that wasn't yeah. there that day about, was improvised? About the, pro- about the prostitute, yeah. about, like, being abandoned by his mother and his right. grandmother and, like, how he stole money from his grandmother and mm-hmm. then his mom stole the book that his grandmother gave him and all this stuff. There yeah, that's are, incredible. Like, conflicting reports about how much of the story the kid actually knew and how much Truffaut was like, hey, you got to tell the story about the time that your mom stole your grandma's book or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, to know that 
probably a good 90% of what that kid said was not on a piece of paper, was not told to him before, and him yeah. being, I mean, we're assuming again, like maybe 12, 13 max. That's wild. Yeah, yeah just like amazing. the physical way, he, like when you just see him walking across the street or just wandering by himself at night and stuff like that, and like how he's climbing on things and jumping on things, that felt so natural. Yeah, and so his kid-like. physicality. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah that, that did not feel choreographed at all. It felt like we were observing a kid. It felt yeah. very cinema very Also, and, the physicality yeah. of two kids shaking hands to say goodbye. It's is so such a, good. Such a oh, yeah, man. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, seriously. Like really deeply to touching school. though, right? Like, like no, I love that. it was super effective. Yeah. I was like, they're going to hug or they're going to wave or whatever, and they're just like, Salud. <laughs> I, well, in like, like sort of speaking that, sorry, I take these things too far, but like that sort of spoke to the larger idea, right? It's like that these kids were kids playing at something, like playing at something larger that they wanted to be something more. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of, of having these, these kids who have this very schoolboy relationship, but they always shake hands at mm-hmm. the end of the day, like they're salary <laughs> men or something, <laughs> is so like playing at taking yourself more seriously or or wanting to view yourself in a different context than you know you are uh that it's characterizes how i would how i would think about antoine and uh renee throughout the movie in a really good way it uh, was it was like touching it's cute it's such a yeah. small little piece of nuance that, right like it was never called out specifically and that I could have assumed was just part of the world that like mm-hmm. kids in 1959 from uh, Paris just sort of like shook hands yeah. instead of like waving or whatever. It was polite but bastards. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and also just like a great glimpse of just French life, not to be like an American asshole, but <laughs> it was uh, at that time. It was just interesting to see because a lot of it takes place in the city. And it's very raw. It's not, it doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like a documentary of some sorts. And I, I know the cinematographer actually had only done documentaries to that point. So, so his oh, style, his style really helped uh, influence the way that film looks in, in terms of like the raw nature and the very spontaneous feel the kid had. Even the super scripted moments, like when the gym teacher is marching down the street and all the yeah. kids just like sort of such a great scene. Him. It's hilarious. That's a great scene and clearly very yeah. like tightly scripted, yeah. tightly shot. Yeah, but, like it feels. <laughs> but the way the camera is like really raw and like the music with it and the way that the world is just yeah. going on around them, they're nearly getting sure. hit by cars right. and having to like say stop. It's just what, it feels what like did a that scene thematically like mean? I mean, it was it felt like very random, but I think it was for me. It was just more like comedic. I yeah. Guess. Well, I mean, like there's. To show maybe that he's not the only one who breaks from sure. right, uh, yeah, I which guess. is like which is how you would characterize the whole thing, right? Like, is that there was like this huge schism between adults and children, and it was sort of, it was very much an us versus them yeah. thing to the point where um, the adults, in my opinion, are, are caricatures of authoritarianism, mm. like yeah. of like um, which they actually do some really interesting things with that I want to get into, but. Um, but but so like the idea that that like these kids are acting out for like almost no reason where like mm-hmm. like it's it's a it's a childhood version of rebellion where like it's not ideologically driven or like driven mm-hmm. by by any sort of um understanding of what you're rebelling against mm-hmm. it's just like a like a fuck this person and fuck right, this place right. and like i'm gonna do anything to put a finger in your eye because i just don't like kid. you and like i don't even know why i don't and the like parents you. themselves are no better like his oh, parents yeah. are just the worst parents right well the teachers are the worst just the, the manners and, and the way they act They're yeah just, yeah yeah so to, the, really to the point where like you you wonder if it if it's like um we're very much seeing the world through the eyes of mm-hmm. Antoine. That's, uh, yeah. That's one thing that I kept feeling about the movie, and I don't know if it was intentional, but it was like 
the film was almost shot even like it was how a kid would have remembered yeah that time in yeah his totally. life. the very like, first intro the intro shots were just looking up at the city it's like a kid's version or a kid's perspective of looking like, at the city like you're leaning yeah. against the car window exactly and watching the sun go right, by yeah. and looking at the uh, and there's that the there's background. that great score um which is like like maybe in this day and age would be cheesy but um it's like almost the always sunny in philadelphia opening <laughs> where like it's this hilariously idyllic like carnival childish music played over like a pretty bleak uh like portrait of inner city paris mm-hmm. and throughout the movie there's this sort of um ironically juxtaposed music very flippant uh, like almost carnival-esque music. right yeah it feels it reads like mockery at times mm-hmm. um in a, in a good way Actually, did this movie have any like sad music, or was every sad moment just unaccompanied? Because I don't I remember, remember like sad themes. Or I feel sad like there was sad music, but yeah, I could I be like wrong. Maybe they just downplayed that, or like let the stage take presence over it. Mm-hmm. Because I remember the very jaunty—not by memory, but like I remember there being very jaunty tunes and sort of sardonically yes. like this is not a great thing that's happening. Like these kids are about to be ratted out by their friend from school, but. We're going to play these beautiful, like, violin melodies over top of it. Yeah. And I just don't remember there being any, like, mournful music in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. The, the one scene that's the saddest to me is when he's just lying there in his bed awake and as you can hear his parents yelling at each other in the next room, which, you know, there's been tons of movies since then that have kind of done that same scene in a way where it's, you know, the, the, the child's perspective of... Uh, the parents going through what might be a divorce or his troubles and all that. And, well, uh, they are in a loveless marriage at one point. Yeah. Uh, she is, I believe, cheating on him, having an affair with another man during yeah. the day while he's at work. Which, when you see that scene, for me, when I first saw that movie, is I thought that's what the movie was going to be about, is about him like finding that out, and then it kind of becomes some sort of mystery. You know, I didn't know a whole lot about Friendship sure. Away for the time, so I didn't realize it was going to... Because I thought it was going to be more traditional in that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was just going to be this, oh, it's just about a kid's life. And I... Uh, like that's another point I know that we're going off on a tangent about this one specific scene but while we're on it he sees his mom and understands that that's like that's not my dad yeah like why is she kissing him and getting close to him in public and stuff uh, and sees that and recognizes it but he never brings it back up like he doesn't yeah. mention it he does his, well to his mom later once she he writes a note to his dad after he's sent to the juvenile detention oh, center. Oh, it was in that note that he and he does tell him. his dad, his foster Wait, dad. I, I don't remember that. Yeah, she mentions it. She mentions that uh, her husband was upset about a note oh. that he had written. Oh, oh, yeah, the very end. Interesting. Which he, which in in classic Antoine, he he did. It seems just to put a finger in her eye, right? Like he was sent off to uh, a juvenile detention facility at the end of the movie, and uh, he writes this note being like, "Hey, guess what? Your wife is having an affair." To his foster dad. Um, That's right. I do remember that. Who is not right? So like his mom remarried or or married for the first time and had Antoine out of wedlock, mm. um, and his foster dad, um, like adopted him essentially, and even adopt gave him his name, right? Which is oh, his yeah, last that's name, Danelle. That's you have a name. Yeah, it's an it's an important recurring theme where they they hold this name over Antoine's head, so to speak. Um, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, when yeah, he doesn't want like identity or anything. He doesn't want pride in his name. He just wants to be free. He wants to be out from under like that life. Yeah, yeah. Or like like he just doesn't really know what he wants, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that was the thing that that really uh, spoke to me is that I think that and like this is not this is pretty well tread ground, right? But like it really captured a directionless 
frustration and anxiety yeah. that that I um, remember feeling as mm-hmm. a preteen to teen about like. I know I didn't want any of the things around me. I didn't want to be like any of the people around me or at like any of the institutions around me. I didn't have any sort of retort to it. I, I didn't, if you had asked me, I, I wouldn't have been able to specify how I was different or why I was different. I just knew I wanted to be. Yeah. And uh, that, okay. that's how I would feel. That's how Antoine felt to me as well, where like he was, he was acting out, out of this, this directionless frustration that he wanted to just be different. Uh, or like, or like, n- not even different because difference implies some sort of um, inverse. But just not. He wanted to be not like the like this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't like basing what he wanted off of any model of a person he knew or of a person he saw doing things. He just wanted like the freedom of yeah. It was like, just outside of his own cast. Fuck all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you see that? I think in that first scene where they're passing the Playboy or not Playboy, whatever that magazine yeah, around. Freudian slip. Playboy. Yeah, exactly. That's well, I mean, it was like a like a smut. Uh, yeah, magazine. magazine. Yeah, yeah. But you see that with all the kids in the class, and, the, and then when he's writing on the wall, and they come in, and they're like, "Oh, look what he's doing." You see, like that, uh, that nature of all the kids. Like they just, they just don't care. Like it, they, all of them just want to be free. They don't want to, you know, pay attention to what's going on with the teacher. They don't want to. They don't want to adhere to all the classroom rules and all that. Mm-hmm. They all want to, you know, be free, which is kind of interesting. But I mean, they're all troublemakers, is what I'm trying to say. Antoine is just like a little more edgier. <laughs> yeah, but but every one of the kids. Sp- feels that yeah it's it's a universal thing in in children that that they're all acting out against these uh authorities with no backup plan with no without any backup plan or or any sort of um yeah or any sort of understanding of what they're going to what they're trying to get away with Mm -hmm. or what they want it's it's enough just to act out yeah just Um, action yeah uh which is like this is such a like a dude movie right like it's like obviously it's it's autobiographical but um i i found myself wondering like if i liked it as much as i did just because i was also like i could feel very personally sort of empathetic towards antoine which um, that's way valid i don't think it is I it's can in that way sure interesting I, mean, I was a very conformist kid like i mean i think i was more than i would have liked to have been it's funny i watching this movie i wish i had acted out more uh i think i think that there's something to be said this is a weird tangent but there's something to be said about self-confidence and like i didn't act out more because when somebody told me i was a piece of shit i just believed them you know what i mean yeah. we're like antoine doesn't and like the the more Antoine is repressed or oppressed or whatever, the more he wants to act out. Mm-hmm. Like he directly just keep going with your thought after I finished. Yeah, that. sure. Um, when it's in the beginning, when that kid rats him out, I think for writing on the wall, he rat, one of the one of his classmates kept rats him out yeah. for something. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You're dead. I'm gonna kill you. Mm-hmm. You're gonna like you're, you'll get yours or whatever. When I grow up, I'm gonna ruin your life or something." And I'm like, "This kid." This kid like ratted you out for a very minor offense, and you're like cursing his. Yeah, name. yeah because the kid's a fucking cop. He was. He was a fucking asshole. <laughs> don't don't get me wrong. Screw but it's that like, kid. But it's like if I if I had that happen to me, I'd be like, you know, I, I deserve that. I shouldn't. Do Wait, that is this the when the kid goes to his like his parents' house or something, and he tells it's, the dad that he missed school? The, it's in one of the first. No, that's a different. That's a different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's when he's writing on the. When he when he's told that's to write true, on the yeah, wall yeah. and what he writes instead is like you know uh, Antoine was persecuted. Mm-hmm. He quote abuses French verse yeah. unquote, <laughs> which I think I think he did like a kind of clever like play on what they were learning, right? The hair, the, yeah, some some turn of phrase that I'm sure would have been communicated better if I could speak French, but or yeah. it had an understanding of French primary or school the instruction. Subtitles in this weren't kind of ganked at times. Did you notice that ganked? 
I saw that. I don't Just know if that was the print. It. It's probably the print or something. Yeah, but yeah. they were like really crackly. They looked like Rice Krispies. Yeah, screen. and there's parts, and this happens with all films from that time where the the white blends into the white, and you're like, I can't read it. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Was white in the very end. Yeah. reading back that letter. Yeah. I, 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 I love that. It always happens. There's always, there's always a scene in every subtitled movie where somebody is conspicuously wearing white over the white subtitles. Yeah, it only happens in like French film or films from that time, it seems, but... That's black hilarious. and black and white films from that time. Yeah, I don't know, man. Terrace House has a lot of oh, white it? clothing and white. Is that good? Features. I've never seen it's that. It's the best. I hear yeah. it's really good. Uh, yeah, we, uh, don't, uh, we don't have to talk two about shows Terrace I House. Watch Terrace House and The New Queer Eye. A lot of people really like The New Queer Eye. I've heard it's great. Yeah, and I haven't. I haven't seen it. I didn't have the old one either. Anyway, uh, it's funny that you should mention that it's a very dude film because like it does feel like almost, a dude film. Almost all of the like legacy section on Wikipedia is about. Male filmmakers who right. say this has a huge influence, including it's like the Catcher in the Rye of movies, right? Where right. like like every like white dude who wrote a book after the Catcher in the Rye was like, I love the Catcher in the Rye, and it, like <laughs> even that is like sort of a reason to resent it, right? Like it taps into this very like white male mm-hmm. sort of, like torment, self torment, um, but specifically. Akira Kurosawa loved this film. He That's loves right. this movie. He yeah. said it was one of the most beautiful he'd ever exactly. seen. Exactly. A quote from him is that it was one of the, And also, Norman Jewison really liked it. Nicolas Cage really yeah. loved it. Oh, this yeah. Movie. Of course. Uh, I just. Like, that rules. That I, I like everyone does. It's such an awesome I think it's of people. number 39 on the best 100 best movies of all time on AFI? some a- AFI, maybe? I can't remember. Some huge list. Yeah. But, yeah. I know that it's. Well, if, if only because it was like it kicked off the French New Wave. Yeah. Right? Um, but also, I think just because of how personal it is, and yeah, like you know, just deconstructed a style. It was, it was for its time. It was so. I mean, wild. I think I would push back against that a little bit. Where like, I think it stands on its own. I think it's a really remarkable movie. I liked it a lot more than Jason did, I guess. Mm. But uh, let's let's get into why. What like what what you liked about it most? Then like, uh, what was it that? I mean, I think I, I, I really felt. Like it, it captured an idea of coming of age and and that directionless anger and torment <laughs> mm-hmm. really well. Um, and and even like it wasn't, it wasn't fair, right? Like it it wasn't fair to the other characters in the movie, uh, in a way that I think uh, another movie might be, where like there it was so uninterested. And this is this is a problem I had with the movie, but I think it's also one of my favorite parts is that like it was so uninterested in how anything got to this point. Like it was not at all interested in who the parents were as people or like how they became the sort of cynical uh hateful people that they that they were mm-hmm. or like how the teacher's name is literally Sourpuss. That's the only thing <laughs> he's ever referred to as. <laughs> and he's just like this unbelievable caricature of of authoritarianism and uh the movie is not interested in unpacking the social uh, yeah. it's just sort of like problems inherent therein that's that's kind of what you're getting at i know we were talking about what you liked about the film but you're getting at what i didn't like about the yeah, film yeah and is that it's very like look at this like because it was an autobiographical story for the most part it's like you're just showing me how bad your life was at that time without telling me like anything about i think that's correct the yeah flagellation uh, and and like i i said uh, a little earlier, the movie like has remarkably more empathy for Antoine than it does for any other character. Uh, the the mother exists to be scorned. Like she is not a full formed character. Right. There is the suggestion of character 
character Even there. In the but moments where she looks happy or where she's bringing joy to her family, like when they go to the movies, it's like I this love that is scene. Not gonna last, is it? They're yeah. gonna put up their that scene is because that movie. This movie also is about just the love of film. Because Truffaut, when he was a kid, would go hide out in the cinema every time he wanted to escape a family life or teacher life or whatever, and he would just go hide on the cin- You know, that was his escape. And uh, so there's like this underlying love of movies in the case so he goes to the cinema in the movie all the yeah. time mm-hmm. and they're like polish films or and something. that that underlying love is actually a, a really important part of the yeah. movie, i think right because like antoine is this hellion uh and he he lives to to cause Word. trouble where like at, at multiple times like he does these these outsized hilariously rebellious things like he he rolls his own cigarettes in prison <laughs> out of the lint so in his awesome. pockets. At one that? point, they cut to him like reading Balzac and then like yeah. <laughs> smoking a cigar. I mean, we've all and done it's that like, at that age, fuck right? yeah, this kid rules. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but like, like within all of that, there is like a legitimate um, childlike love for uh, movies, yeah. the the ocean, and that um, one scene where they're all going to the movies, like, is is what that is. It's like Truffaut is is you can feel his love for cinema in that scene. Like, this is what brings everyone together. Mm-hmm. This is what life is worth living for. The way when they're all like in the car and they're laughing and and criticizing the movie, the father doesn't get it and all that. That was a little bit of Truffaut like making fun of people who didn't like understand deep arts movies. I, I thought from from my perspective, yeah, but I get, but like even that <clears throat> scene, it feels very much like that scene only exists to remind you how bad his life really is. Like mm-hmm. this is or it really was at the time because it's like every second of that they're smiling, you're like, this movie's not going to end happily. It's not like you know <laughs> he's going to find happiness with this family. It's just like this is this is yeah. going to last, right? Uh, which I felt. I don't know. Was a, a, a bit cynical, and I'm not. I'm not trying to tell a dead filmmaker how to tell the story of his own childhood, but it didn't connect with me on any level. It didn't like make me like that portion of the film. Interesting. Or any other. I don't know. It, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I think you are. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm also wrong about Bad Times at the El Royale. That's I, true. Uh, <laughs> cinemas October twelfth. Yeah, I like how everything keeps going back to bad times. Oh God! Every, every point. <laughs> He's bad. It's bad. Seriously. Yeah, Goddard has been mentioned way more than Truffaut in this podcast. Oh. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, uh, I don't know. I think I connected with that love of cinema as a child in a way because that was. I mean, going to the movies has been a definitive part of my childhood. So maybe it was more personal in that regard. But, uh, but, and also I'm just like watching a personal film, and it's you know, you know it's a thesis. It's a very personal thesis from him. Yeah, and I didn't get as much a love for cinema, I guess, as you did. I thought that that was more symbolic of, like, a general, like, actual, like, appreciation. Like, Mm. uh, there's that scene when he is um, carted off to the detention center for the first time, and he weeps. That's a good scene. Yeah, and and they, they... backtrack through all of the sort of physical locations that he had walked down through and prison yeah bars right backwards like mm. almost literally chronologically backwards where like really he scene. walks through the he walks through the the paris streets for the first act of this movie and then he is taken away from them and as he's taken away from them he weeps because he's remembering like he loved this life that he mm-hmm. had on some level um, he's 12 and he's going to jail right yeah um and at, at you know the the final scene he sees the ocean and that's sort of the hopeful note because he's always wanted to see the ocean he escapes from the detention facility uh there's a there's a sort of suspended arc there right where like the arc that this character has is not that he changes it's that he resolutely does not change and redeems yeah. himself that way right. where like and at the end of the movie in, yeah. he is still the the hellion shitty like rebellious kid without rebel without a cause that he was at the beginning of the movie and that's a good thing yeah um, like all my favorite coming of age movies go all the way back to that last scene the Warner blows like all the movies that i love that's 
N in that very uh, undefined, like abstract way. I think it all stems from that movie in a way. They Even like the, uh, they do the rollerball thing where they they close up <laughs> on his face. They, yeah, freeze frame. Rollerball, very influenced. Yeah, <laughs> very influenced. I yeah. gotta watch that movie. It's yeah, great. Uh, it. Johnny E. That movie's hilarious. Uh, the Master is kind of like that. I feel. Like, Tot- totally. Yeah, yeah. I think just got has, that's uh, interesting. Has a PTA said much about this movie? I'm sure he loves this movie. Yeah. He loves he loves a lot of Truffaut. He loves shoot the piano player. I know that. Um, yeah, Ooh, I like I like that a lot actually. Antoine Janelle and Freddie Quell, they're yes. like spirit <laughs> spiritual <laughs> cousins. Yeah, did Antoine? I mean, I know that there's a whole there's a whole quintilogy of films. There is five film. movies about yeah, it, all yep. starring the same. Yeah, guy. it's like same Boyhood, guy. but across Over films. Like, yeah, literally. Yeah, years it's so cool. Antoine and something, but that was like a TV short Antoine episode, not Colette, as much. Uh, yeah, I didn't write down the names, but it goes through like basically. I looked at the synopses of these films, and it's like, oh, he finds love, he gets married, he's infidelious. He's and those are all he's infidelious. He's stages infidelious. of Truffaut's life along the way too. So yeah. it's all autobiographical, <laughs> which is interesting. By the way, he, that kid aged really well. He looks great when he's in his twenties. Awesome. Yeah, is he still alive. Uh, he was like twelve in the in this in nineteen sixty. I, I just looked at him in that Antoine the and mom, the mom is still alive. Is she? Really? And she was in Amelie. Oh, wow. That's yeah, she's, awesome. She's still alive. She acted in 2013 was her most recent. Uh, Whoa, crazy. Gig. Yeah. I just wanted Did, to say Was that. it just me or did the teacher look like Mark Rylance? A little bit. Which teacher? The sourpuss? The, sourpuss. Yeah, sourpuss. A little bit. Little a little bit. bit, yeah. Like a very, very aged. He looked Mark a lot like, like if this was remade, it would be Mark Rylance would be in that role. Would you guys want to? Would you guys watch a remake of this film? No, no, never. Even if it was by like a really promising up. That would be the worst thing director. if someone remade this film. What if yeah. it were gender swap? I mean, this movie has been remade. That would be an interesting twist. I can't promise it. I would good, just have to be a different movie, right? Yeah, I mean, like, eighth grade I was kind of like. I that. would like to watch a, a different movie about a young girl's coming of age. Uh, Spiritual remake. Then. Wasn't like thirteen like that? Maybe I don't remember thirteen, 13 but what I feel like it was about uh, going on thirty. No, the <laughs> movie about. Uh, who was in that movie? It was like this. It was about a g- very angsty 13-year-old girl, uh, rebellious, hmm. tortured, had bad parents, I think, and then it's just about her daily life in L.A. Who was it? it was K- I think it was like early 2000s or something. I don't know. I, was, no. I should look it up. I think you're thinking of going, 13 going on. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, uh, a, from what I remember, it was a good movie. Talk more about what you didn't like about this movie. Uh, it was primarily that, just like it was at its core, it felt like you're just showing me how bad your life was. And I, I know so that I know the, audio, like, the autobiographical <laughs> nature of the movie it worked frustrated you. It. It worked yeah, against I think it. that it, makes sense. That to me, and then like the actual style of filmmaking, there are two shots that I can remember in specific that I literally started like tapping my finger against my watch. Like, I mean, symbolically, I wasn't actually looking at the time, but like trying to express my own frustration with how long they were going on was when he was drinking milk in the street and he drinks, he like pounds the whole thing and we have to watch him do it. It's mm-hmm. like, Okay. I like that scene. I, 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 yeah, I, I, like that scene. I get that he's drinking milk <laughs> yeah. and he's not in a good way and he's like yeah. he's like a cat on the streets of Paris. And then near the very end when he's running away and it's like, this is just going on a long time. I don't need to see the countryside. I don't need to see his whole journey. It's like I get that he's going to the ocean, that he's going to the beach. He's going to see it but and if, he's going to like feel freedom. But if it hadn't shown it that like in that lengthy style, it would be not French New Wave. It would be like every other movie. Then, I, then I maybe I'm making a, like a larger statement about what I don't like about French New Wave. Yeah, then. I mean again, this is my first film that but I've you, ever seen of as part you of you liked Mabarossi a lot. Yeah, Mabarossi yeah. is very maybe, French New maybe Wave. Maybe it was just like the mood yeah. of that film was um, somewhat more sure. Less I think hopeful, I think Mabarossi more... commits to it at a, to a greater level. But like I think that there's somewhat there's something to be said, and and maybe I'm making a case more for long takes in general than I am. But but you know like when you when you have a long scene like that, um, in my opinion, like Antoine running on the beach or or being in the like we're giving it 
time for you to embody him in that moment and feel the sort of rigor and um, uh, banality of being there yeah. in that moment. It's sort of like a it's it's meant to evoke that that uh, that impatience maybe a little and it, bit and it comes back to for me and i don't know that i like it but i definitely see what they were going for or maybe i'm picking up something that they weren't intending was again like how a kid might be remembering that time that was a really long right. run for him yeah like that's a good w- point it would have been a plotting like he was definitely out of breath he probably noticed the countryside houses as he was running by very like thematically consistent i just don't know that i really like it's execution. Sure. Like on paper, I would have liked that scene a lot, but in execution, it just felt like it was that's terminable. That's me. Is just like uh, when you were just in the moment with that kid, and there was no cuts, and you were just kind of living his life in the wandering field. But that was what made me really like right. the movie. Don't get me wrong; I yeah. love long cuts. Me too. I love long yeah. shots. Um, and to to speak to that characterization that I was saying, um, something that they do very specifically with the adults in this movie that I liked a lot, um, even though it wasn't fair to the adults necessarily. Um, is that it never to me legitimately felt like anyone had Antoine's best interests at heart or that they that they even wanted to change him or bring him into the fold. They just didn't want him there at all. Uh, I, you're making me think of... Sorry to cut you off. No, it's cool. I do that a lot. But, uh, I'm talking when, too much anyway. <laughs> when his when Sourpuss uh, like, confronts him and screams about like uh, when he's late to school and why he missed school the day before, and then he lies and says that his mom died. Mm-hmm. He's like, you should always confide in your teachers. In just right. the sweetest yeah. tone. Yep. And it's the most like hilarious. propping up his own authority. And yeah. so two-faced. It was, or, like, it was lovely. At one point, uh, his mom just straight up says like, oh yeah, I, I can't take it easier on Antoine because he gets on my nerves and like that's such a <laughs> yeah. like it's it's not it's a, a human thing to say right but but it is it's it's how it f- feels right like this sounds stupid uh and I did not have a difficult childhood like Antoine did but like that's that's a hundred percent how it feels right is that like Antoine is characterized as this person who has never been wanted mm-hmm. uh who has always just been uh, a nuisance, a fly to be yeah, swatted away. Right. And like, that's how all the children in this movie feel. We're like, they're being processed. They're being processed through school and their home lives. And then this detention center. And at all points, they're just like, there's something that's in the way. Like he's in the way of his parents. He's in the way of his teachers. He's, he's just like this, this like fly in the ointment. And because he hates being feeling that way, he's just going to make, he's going to fuck up the system as much as he can. Um, the only camaraderie he finds, the only aid he finds is in his friend Rene. And his right. friend Rene is apparently from a place of great wealth. He's yes. got a really big house and he's got very successful parents who are also away. They're not like super attached to loving. We only see his mom once when she goes to get money from the place he just stole money from. Yep. It was, that, it was his mom, right? I believe so. She looked a little bit on the older side. It, it might have not been his mom. It might have been his, his aunt or aunt his grandmother. Yeah, I can't remember. That one that scene was, where... Um, uh, they're watching the puppet show and all the kids are engaged and fascinated and they're in the corner talking about stealing a typewriter was amazing. So good. You see the contrast of their lives of like how they think and just right. of, how they're like, not. The wonderment yeah. of all the other kids yeah, and like their like cynicism. Again, they're going to be chiefing on cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. And I love I love how Truffaut just like focused on all the reactions of those kids for like what seems like an eternity. And I feel, uh, and I think I actually heard this when I was researching it, that they were, you know, capturing this real time, these kids' actual reactions, of course, just regular kids. Oh, and really? He was so fascinated by the reactions that he just wanted to watch their faces, you even though if it had nothing. Those. Yeah. yeah. Made me think for a long time about, like, how dumb I must look watching most movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same, <laughs> for sure. The unfiltered, like, mouths agape and, like, super reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I wonder if those kids grew up and saw The Foreigner Blows and was like, oh, fuck, man. God <laughs> damn it. This is a popular movie ever. now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Everyone's seen French this movie. New Wave My Ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, some of those faces. and But yeah, he like just put the those takes, raw takes of the kids in there just because they looked like there was no reason behind it. And, I, you know, a lot of people can say that, you know, there's a lot of extraneous stuff in here that should be cut out. But I don't know. It's all the feel of the movie. It's like that was French New Wave. I, th- I think it is like... Mm. For you, it seems like it's more than the sum of its parts. For me, it seems like I could see those parts. Mm-hmm. I could see that he was just like throwing, sometimes throwing at the wall and seeing what would stick. Yeah. Part of that auteur theory of like, I can do it because I can do no, it. No, I get how it's pretentious as fuck. And I it, get it, that. It <laughs> can't, maybe, maybe I couldn't, maybe I can't level with it enough. Maybe because I can't empathize in the same way that other people can. Maybe it's because like some of that editing didn't really grab me. But yeah, it just. Yeah, it wasn't. I hope that the rest of French New Wave leaves like better in store for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, did you this like being my first the Florida Project? That Just, no, not not way too much. I loved the performances really? of it. I loved wow, like the visuals. But it's that not movie. set in a. I won't rag on it too much, but it's not set in a place that I can really that I really like. Uh, being like, uh, the you know, the Everglades type Florida yeah. s- setting. Um, I can't empathize at all with almost any character in there except uh, Willem Dafoe where he's just trying to be a good person and he's probably not a very good person kind of thing. But it just felt so real. Like it had that yeah. feel of just like this is the day in the life of these people. This oh, is definitely. This is not sugar-coated. This is how it is. And I love that. I mean, sure. I, it's interesting. I don't think that the realness of 400 Blows is what attracted me to it. Hmm. Uh, just the opposite, in fact. I think that the fact that it takes place in a world written and directed by a child is what makes it appeal to me. Like I said, like I don't think that those adults were people. I think that they were people as processed through the eyes of a Mm 12-year-old child or whatever, and I think that made the movie work for me really well. Yeah, I wouldn't Um, say it's necessarily real, but it is a very personal statement. For sure. And I I think that, like, I, I, I think I can empathize with your frustrations with it, Jason, because, like, it does... There's sort of a double standard there, right? We're, like, we're supposed to be very understanding of and on the side of Antoine from the jump mm-hmm. um, and not uh, sort of extend that to any of the other characters. We're, like, I don't think we're ever supposed to sympathize with the mom or the dad on any right. level, really. No. Um which which can be frustrating, right? Because, like, it would be nice to know how things got this way or, like, who those people were, mm. and it would sort of inform your understanding of, of where things were better than if... Yeah, it feels selectively incomplete at times for that, mm-hmm. and I understand that's kind of the point, but I just, like, understanding it, seeing it logically, and knowing that it's part of an artistic statement and, like, liking it <laughs> are Art- two different things for sure. in mind for me. Uh and like, and it I feels, mean, feels like the kind of movie that I'd either like watch again some years later and be like, man, I really mistook this movie. I was really off base or I'll never watch it again. Well, but, but also like this is a dumb diatribe now. So sorry. But like like how you Drag feel, me. how you feel about a movie um, does not necessarily have to enter criticism at all. Right. Like how you feel personally about techniques and about an, a statement, a theme is separate from your evaluation of it. Like, mm-hmm. I could say, like, oh, I understand this movie and I like it, but, like, it is enough to evaluate it, right? To unpack it. Like, you don't have to... Your personal feelings need not enter yeah. a, a criticism of uh, it. Bad Temp is, is a bad movie. Yeah, it is. But 
Not again, bad times. So, to be clear, you don't like the 400 blows, and you do like bad times. (laughs) I don't like the 400 blows, but I realize it's a good movie. I do like Bad Times at the Old Royale and realize that it is not a good movie. That's all, folks. <laughs> this has been <laughs> such a weird conversation of Bad Times at the Old Royale. On the yeah. Board, like a, a, the contrast. We, we saw, full full disclosure, we saw Bad Times at the El Royale like last night. Less than 12 night. hours Only ago. Only here and now yeah. will you ever get this conversation with this, in, this intersection of minds and, and circumstance of yeah. these two movies and these three people. We're making bad Times art. at the El Royale, uh, I don't want to talk about it that much, but I will say there is moments of... Greatness. I yeah, guess. yeah, it's 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 a kind of Minneapolis new wave. That's funny, <laughs> but you. like that's that's sort of a funny thing because like as I was saying my dumb diatribe about criticism versus op- opinion, I realized that like what we're doing here and what the four hundred blows is doing is an obfuscation and refutation against that. It's like saying no, there is actually no, there's no way to cleanly separate who you are from what you do and mm-hmm. what you make. I mean, like what could be a better indication or like a a more convincing indication of that than the 400 blows which feels unbelievably uh autobiographical for better and worse i think uh so and i think maybe french new wave in general is kind of about that right about Mm -hmm. how there is no separating the art from the artist like there is it's it's difficult and and maybe not worthwhile to do that um Mm -hmm. you are kind of changing my mind though about the 400 400 blows blows, about like that that disparity between good film not liking it is sort of shrinking now like the space between those things well but i mean it's totally cool to like not vibe with something right yeah. like you can not vibe with anything i think i'm letting that drag me too far down i think also like the the pretense of it being like hailed as one of these great cinematic masterpieces literally has 100 percent of rotten tomatoes for whatever that's worth these days um but like knowing that it's that's a very i'm sorry i'm pointing at jason now because i'm getting excited about what he's saying sorry I, to interrupt like just sort of the hype if there can be hype for a movie that was released fifty nine years, absolutely, ago, yeah. Uh, I think I think that's like, did it live up to the hype? N- There's no, a lot of movies that hundred percent can. Gone with the Wind sucks, by the way. That movie's got what a hundred percent. Everyone talks about that movie. I fucking uh, hate that. For movie. more on this, come back for episode seventeen, where we're talking exclusively exactly. about. No, Gone there's with movies. The wind. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm not crazy about Gone with the Wind either, but uh, like, that's interesting, right? Because that's maybe a bias thing. Where like, maybe Gone with the Wind is a movie that appeals more to women, uh, because I know my mom. Shout outs to my mom. Mm-hmm. Loves that movie. I mean, it's a beautiful looking movie. movie. I thought it was just really racist, to be honest. It is racist <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like just super racist. I couldn't get into it. Like if it's honest and racist that's fine but if it's just like <laughs> what no wait <laughs> backtrack no well when i say honest racist i mean that's how it was in the times like you watch 12 years of slave there's a lot of racist characters oh but that's how it was yeah that's minutes. what i mean i'm I not i'm not i'm not saying times sure uh-huh. judge, for no reason you're, you're, you're gonna cut racist. out that bit and put it out of context yeah uh god nobody else no but it was just like you. unnecessarily racist you know unnecessarily racist much like the first scene of Bad times at the El Royale, <laughs> with John Hamm's character is racist and then dies and has no well, he, that, spoilers. Yeah. Sorry, he was trying to be a certain character because he was a cop, you know, undercover cop. Kind yeah, of, so that was kind of understandable. He was super midwestern sounding once he dropped the accent. And where was his kid from? You mentioned like it was six hours ahead of wherever he was or something. Yeah, I don't know, man. We don't weird. need to talk about this. He was we, we're not <laughs> talking about that triangle. movie. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, I, yeah, no, I uh, I respect and respond to that that idea that like whenever a movie's hyped I go in and this is this is a very uh, Antoine Donnell approach to movies but like when I hear a movie is like 
critically acclaimed from all time by a bunch of old filmmakers and critics, I'm immediately like, let's see what you fucking got, movie. Like, let's <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah. Like, Citizen Kane, get out of here. I you don't like Citizen Kane? No, Citizen Kane's great. But, like, okay, you know what good. I mean? Like, when I heard Citizen Kane was the best yeah. movie ever, I was like, fuck I mean, you, it's no, not it's the not. Best let's movie go. Ever. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I can totally respect you going into 400 Blows with that and being like, you think you're so great? Because I didn't know anything about it prior to finding, well, Actually, I'd never even heard of it prior to this. I'd heard of Truffaut, but you know, not as any, not in context of the actual works. Um, but prior to seeing this on the Trilons website and being invited by you guys to go see it, <clears throat> hadn't heard of it, had no idea what it was about. Looked it up, hundred percent around Man. It was all this like widely oh, yeah. like uh, wi- widely positive. It's like a film school. Criticism. It's essential for film school. Yeah, right? tentpole of which I of didn't film history. And, and, and I will say that all the movies that were influenced by the Four Hundred Blows that are in the same vein as that I like a lot more for the most part. Like I love Boyhood a lot more. I love the Florida Project a lot more. I like Moonrise Kingdom more. I think um, there's tons of movies that, that are in that same. I think the Four Hundred Blows is great, but I connect with more modern um, films that are in that same arena. Mm-hmm. Um, the Florida Project, honestly, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Really, like, I love that movie. I like that yeah. movie a lot. Uh, <clears throat> it was probably and so was Boyhood, one of the best movies that year. Yeah, I don't. Is it one of Willem Dafoe's best movies? I top two. How, how could <laughs> top you choose, three. man? Mm. I mean, Wild at Heart is I great. Seen enough. But, Wild yeah. at Heart is great. Spider Man, no. Spider Man Sp- for real. Spider-Man He's really though? good in Spider Man. Yeah, I don't think Spider-Man it's one of his rules. Best. What? Yeah. <laughs> Knowing what I know now about Willem Dafoe and his career and general movie making since I last saw that movie, yeah, it's got to be like. That's a masterclass performance. I love I love some Willem. Oh yeah, he's great. He's the best. Uh, Yeah. uh, So we've talked about so much that isn't this movie. um, Yeah, sorry for for almost an hour. But is there anything else you guys thought about with this movie? Any other big thoughts you wanted to clear before we before we wrap up? Uh, I'll just do the generic. It's beautiful. It's a very beautiful movie to watch. You mentioned that that scene where he's going back, basically backward in time, mm-hmm. backward in his life through the streets of Paris, through exclusively through those prison bars. That was a beautiful shot because everything's a little bit blurry. Everything in front is a little focused. I agree. Very it's nice highly, I don't think it's, I think it does a, almost a, a very good job of being not melodramatic. Like I said, I think that the, the final scene when he's in the detention facility and talking to the psychiatrist is a little on the nose and veers a little bit into melodrama. It's funny that you should mention that because, again, that was like, Famously, one of the most unscripted scenes. Yeah, it's which is very fascinating. Very on the nose. Though. To me, it felt the more the most, the most natural, real. the least yeah. movie part of the movie. Right, which is a fascinating effect. Totally like right and valid that you don't. Love I just it. I, I didn't, didn't love it, it because like you could have just taken it out and like I feel I feel like maybe that they were afraid that I wouldn't get the movie or something <laughs> if I didn't see that scene. Yeah. And it's I the wish that boilerplate of the movie. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like even within that, there's really good parts like the mm-hmm. the the idea of the book and his fixation on the book that his grandmother gave him that was taken away and how he wanted it back is like very much still Antoine having like legitimately there's something underneath the rebellion there's something worth preserving there that that uh that is being um right. that belies questioned his own, yeah his yeah. own like intent for his life yeah i uh yeah, I, I've already said a lot about it, but like like uh, I said, I think it is probably top five best coming of age films. Um, I also think the kid in it is probably one of the most like memorable performances, at least in French it, New Wave. It's an unbelievable performance. Yeah. Um, and Truffaut, like it's just renegade filmmaking, which I love. I love movies that just say fuck you to certain genres and uh, areas of film, and which it's totally that. It's along with like Breathless. Yeah. Along with yeah, I I don't know. I mean, like <clears throat> it's tough, right? Because like I love that 
also that yeah. reaction but like it also led to i mean like if if you didn't if you became the establishment right after that and like our tour theory and specifically like white dudes making movies about themselves became such a like staple of filmmaking right after that that it's like man what did we build like <laughs> like what was our rebellious reaction what did for? it cost like what everything well there's yeah. a, bunch of, a bunch of movies about black girls at that age that have been inspired by the foreign blows it's done a lot for certain uh demographics and certain mm-hmm. races like look at pariah you guys ever see pariah like no that I movie didn't. is a like a black girl version of the foreign blows that sounds um, great the Florida Project 2, which has a lot of diversity. I've brought up that movie way too much in this podcast. <laughs> but ever since you mentioned the Florida Project, I was like, yeah, no, that you're is connecting so... The threads. No, it's but like you know what I mean, it. right? Like, there's a sort of... The, the Artur theory is itself an, uh, an authoritarian theory. It mm-hmm. suggests that there are certain types of people and certain types of of artistic merit that are... There's a right and wrong to That it, are you know? more, yeah, suited to making movies than others. And, like, you wonder if, like... So, it... it but that's a that's a legacy problem, not necessarily a... a that's not a 400 blows problem. Maybe it kind of is, but that's a whole thing. I don't know. The problem with the 400 blows. What are we calling this episode, by the way? The 400 I, uh, bros? I thought no. there was going to be four guys, so I was going to say the four bros, which isn't that smart, but that's yeah, all I came up with. So now it's... Uh, 400 the 400 blowhards i don't know no, that's not bad it's not hmm. bad is the top of your head are you been thinking about <laughs> that's, that one? that was a bad one okay, um okay. Well, that's that's all i had it's to pretty say. much going to be I called th- bad times at the el royale <laughs> 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 bad times at the 400 blows <laughs> yeah exactly uh so overall in this conversation you guys feel differently about the film than you did before you got in because i do i feel a little bit better about like again that 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 disparity between Seeing it as a good movie and not really liking it, I think that space is closed for me a little bit. Yeah. Hearing what you guys think about it and how you connected with it and like think about it in ways that I hadn't. This was the second time I saw it, and the, the first time I saw it like five years ago or something. But it was I loved it way more the second time. The first time I saw it, I, I liked it, but I didn't get the the appeal it had to other filmmakers and other film buffs. Where it's one of the best movies of all time. I was like, yeah, it's good. Second time I connected with it a lot more. I think. Yeah. I don't know why, and I think it's probably just because I aged more and have hopefully a more sophisticated taste of film yeah now, but <laughs> i uh i liked it a lot i think i might have a more complicated relationship with it than i had uh characterized here because i think that like maybe i am not completely fond of the parts of myself that made me made this movie resonate with me so well i don't okay. know it's tough to uh but that's uh that's something to reconcile with, I guess. I uh, like this movie a lot. Um, I also liked Catcher in the Rye a lot when I <laughs> when I read Catcher in the Rye, um, <laughs> which is another thing about a very self centered, self involved white guy. Um, but I mean that that's not to say that that like John said, like it's not this is not a movie that only appeals to white guys, I don't think. But there there is something to consider there, right? Like, am I am I becoming more solipsistic about my own personal experiences Mm -hmm. and like do am i precious about my experiences because this i think may be the main criticism of this movie jason that you had was like it does feel precious right it feels a little bit woe is me and like look at how look at my life look at me and not like look at our lives it's very much like a my life is special and sad and And, and does that the fact that I mean, John and you have both like found connective threads about like a universal message of rebellion and like coming mm-hmm. of age and stuff. Does that belie the auteur theory that like drove this movie a little bit? Does it does it betray that somewhat in that 
like you can then adapt that concept d despite it being like the most subjective um, personal work, very precious and passionate thing mm -hmm. for Truffaut. Like the fact that now anybody can sort of connect to that. Lots yeah. of people can connect to that. Does that, does that betray the auteur theory behind it a little bit? I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I, it's tough, right? Because like I said, like this did not, that, that rebellion did not lead to a more inclusionary, uh, better approach to filmmaking, mm -hmm. right? It led to a different institution, <laughs> but it was not a, a... Right. I don't know. I think it's 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 some of the best films of all time are in that area. So. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. so, too. Absolutely. Uh, I love French New Wave. Yeah. Um, but you're saying, yeah, it's an institution. But uh, it's not a very famous... Like, if you went to, like, an average Joe on the street and asked them what French New Wave is, they wouldn't know. I don't think that's true. <laughs> really? Necessarily, I yeah. I have, like, my understanding. I have a lot of friends... It's a thing that French cinema did in the 50s and 60s, and, like, I wouldn't... Maybe maybe. I know, I know people chamber. who, like, are in film that don't know what French New Wave is. Sure. Which is probably just dumb, but... <laughs> is there a movie, <laughs> movie Fight Club? <laughs> exactly. Oof. Step Brothers. Um... um now that yeah, we've, we've alienated our audience yeah. some more. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Should we drop another Bad Times of the Old Royale reference? <laughs> uh, well, that, that, that's going to do it for me, unless you guys... Uh, should we talk about... Should we thank the Trilon? Thank yeah. you, Trilon yeah, Cinema. 35-millimeter um, print of this was amazing. Yeah, it was oh on 35-millimeter, which was yeah. excellent. Beautiful with Javier Bardem. What's that? <laughs> Javier Bardem. It, that's a movie that Javier Bardem was in. Beautiful. Oh, Beautiful, yeah. Uh-huh. Isn't that uh, the guy who did the diving ball, the butterfly? <laughs> I don't know at all. I, I think just so. remember the yeah. poster. And, like, I haven't laughing. seen it. Uh, it was beautiful. Th th thank you very much to the Trilon for hosting this. And to this. Sound Unseen. Sound Unseen. And um, to the... Uh, Justin Pierre. Justin Pierre, the Motion City Soundtrack really cool. Guy. I'm sorry that I wasn't together. there for your performance. I was. It was a great performance. Um, a lot of people seemed to respond to it really well. Uh, did you guys do like a film discussion too? Uh, it was just... I don't know, his, his agent or his handler or whoever oh. asked him a couple questions about what he thought about the movement and about like how he had perceived this movie, how it like influentially uh, it had impacted his songwriting and stuff. It was, again, he's not a film critic and he admits that. Mm -hmm. So it was more just like his personal feeling about the movie. Um, and then a short musical performance, which was delightful. Oh. I uh, imagine it was like a Q&A, or not a Q&A, but like someone at the Trilon was having an intimate discussion with all the, the all the patrons. I was, I was almost, I was ready to ask some questions yeah. about like, why, like, the, the the impact that this cinematic movement has had on his musical career and stuff. I mean, but I don't know enough of his musical career to really like reference that. Um, but then it Again, was just sorry. Him. We, you know, I was yeah, sick. So I sorry for me. I I, sh I should. I, I have a lot of friends. Who, I mean, I live in the city that this guy is from and lives in. I should probably know his music a little better than I do. But it was a it was a great time. Um, the Trilon and and Justin Pierre for putting it together. Yeah, it's a great movie to uh, see. I'm showing it. Great choice. Thank you for turning me yeah, on. Yeah, really Wade. great choice. I hope it turns into a better movement than I already think it is because this was not not the strongest foot for me to start on. I guess <laughs> uh, not loving the movie, but uh, <clears throat> maybe like a year ago they played uh, Clio de Five Seven. That. I was just going to say um, that. I love that movie. It's a fantastic, so good. Movie. Yeah. Um, um, have you seen The Bride Wore Black? The, that uh, another Truffaut film? No. That movie's I one of my favorites. Yeah. Which is literally Kill Bill, but in the 60s. But right. Even, but a more, it's a more Truffaut version of Kill Bill. And uh, so. Breathless, everyone, you should watch Breathless. Okay, so, Breathless yeah, is yeah. amazing. I was ask, I'm the proxy here for people yeah. who don't really know French New Wave, who understand it conceptually, but haven't seen it executed too many times. Ooh, should I go to Breathless next? Breathless next. Should I be yeah, Pierre LeFou by Godard is amazing. Okay. Um, yeah. Any for Godard sure. film. That's a great, that's a great choice. Yeah. 
The Bride Were Black is honestly one of my favorite French New Waves. That's that's Truffaut trying to be Hitchcock, but it's very different than Hitchcock. Even okay. though he said he was trying to make a Hitchcock film, Didn't I read that Truffaut and Hitchcock had, like had a book together. Which they collaborated. Yeah, yeah. Truffaut interviewed Hitchcock. Literally, called yeah, Truffaut he, Hitchcock. Yep, yeah, he did like a book on. I had to read that sometime. Was it a book? And there's also a I movie s- about I it. Reading yeah, it. I, I remember yeah. the movie. It came out recently, like two years ago or something. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we're way off track again. Yeah. Um, sorry. But uh, that's been Try Love's episode that about 400 Blows. Uh, yeah. Francois Truffaut, French New Wave. Uh, French New Wave, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. This podcast. Wow. Oh, okay. man. Why did you do that? Uh, bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>